Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we just made it over to verse 11, and we're going to proceed to verse 20 today. I want to start by reading a verse to you in Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, if then you have been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, Aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now the criteria for that is real simple. The criteria for going forward in what God has called you to do is real simple. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ to what? A new life. Thus sharing his resurrection from the dead. Aim at. The first criteria has to be met. The second criteria is not about what you can grab or grasp or work yourself towards. It is not implying that this is a mountain for you to climb. It says this just needs to be your determination. This needs to be your desire because here's what we're going to talk about to some degree, is that if you have the resurrection life of Christ, you are literally walking because of that life in you. You are literally walking in the discovery of his riches. Life for you on the planet, no matter how distracting the body may be, no matter how distracting the world may be, life for you on the planet is literally the discovery of the riches of Christ. It's not the gaining, as religion would have you believe, but it is the discovery of what he has already placed in you. You are now coming into the truth of it. And with every disappointment, you realize Jesus is enough. And with every weakness, you realize that he is your strength. And with every disappointment, you realize that he was the goal. That he was the objective. By faith, I am going to embrace all that the Father and the Son and the Spirit want to express through the new life that he has placed in me. I'm going to yield to it. I'm going to receive it. But did you know without that resurrection life in you, that wouldn't be possible? He'd be telling you to aim at something you couldn't possibly hit. The prerequisite for all that Christ has for you is the resurrection life within. Without it, nothing is possible. The peace of God is not possible. The provision of God is not possible. Hope, joy, everything that he has promised in his word towards your life is not possible. That is why it is impossible for you to ignore that life and experience any of those things. You can't. 
Because if you seek those things in any other experience, you will only have a worldly imitation, a physical imitation. You won't have the truth of what God intended. And what God intended is that in each moment of each day that you enter into the fullness of all that he has created for you. So the disappointments come that I may know the joy of him. So the pain comes so that I may know the sufficiency of him. So the loss comes so that I may know the reward of him. And it is so much greater, so much greater than anything that this world could offer us. So as the Corinthians are dealing with this issue of resurrection life, I want you to recall, Paul kind of takes us down a road here and He just spent, from verse 4 to verse 11, proving to us, without a shadow of a doubt, that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, physically resurrected. He made a big point of showing us that he was physically resurrected from the dead. And he went to that extreme because of a heresy that was being created within that little fellowship, that group of believers. And here's the issue. I described this for you when I preached for the first four verses. They were primarily Gentiles that belonged to this church. They were primarily Greeks. And Corinth was a a Gentile and a Greek society for the most part. It was literally almost a, a suburb of Athens. And this Greek community was ruled by Greek philosophy and idolatry. And the predominant philosophy that just about everyone that was Gentile in that believer's group was raised under was dualism. And dualism believed that while we have a spirit and a body, we can all see some similarities there. We have a spirit and the body. They were opposed to one another. For the body was evil or is evil. It is corrupt But the spirit, on the other hand, is good. And we live this life and we're we're controlled by the passions of the body. We are literally manipulated by the desires of the body. And the body is wicked and it pushes us around. But don't worry, we're all going to die. And when we die, the body is going into the ground and that'll be the end of evil. It'll be no more. And the spirit will jettison the body and it'll be good. Well, you can see the similarities there, right? But that's the way the enemy works, right? He takes the truth and he distorts it. He tries to make it something palatable for your flesh. Takes the truth out of it little by little. And so what was going on in the church, they couldn't go out and freely talk about the resurrection because when they went out and talked about the resurrection, people would scoff at them. The resurrection of the body was something Greeks did not hold to at all. In their mind, you would be resurrecting evil. You would be resurrecting captivity. Why in the world would you want to believe in that? So they would just scoff at them. So they came up with a clever idea. The enemy introduced this idea. Well, Jesus, of course, Jesus was resurrected. I mean, after all, he's the Son of God. But there is no resurrection for man. There is no resurrection for the body of man. Well, you can see all kinds of problems inherent in that. 
But for the moment, it gave a lot of the Corinthians the ability to go out there and, and talk about the resurrection without embracing, without being ridiculed. They can say, okay, yeah, we don't believe there's any uh, resurrection of the body either. Of course, Jesus was resurrected, but apart from that, there's no resurrection. Well, Paul goes to great lengths to prove to them that there was a physical resurrection, and it was Christ. But Christ was a man. He was a man. You cannot, you cannot be a Christian unless you embrace the truth of the resurrection. But you can, unless you, you can live with the truth, but not in the truth. And that's what a lot of them were doing. Okay, well, let's look at this. You can possess resurrection life without living in the truth of it. Let's look at chapter 15, verses 12 through 20, and I'm going to read those for you. But now, if Christ the Messiah is preached as raised from the dead, how is it that some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not risen. Makes sense. And if Christ is not risen then our preaching is in vain. It amounts to nothing. And your faith is devoid of truth and is fruitless, without effect, empty, imaginary, and unfounded. We are even discovered to be misrepresenting God, for we testified of him that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise in case it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is mere delusion, futile, fruitless, and you are still in your sins, under the control and the penalty of sin. And further, those who have died in spiritual fellowship and union with Christ have perished and are lost. If we who are abiding in Christ have hope only in this life, that is all then we are all of all people most miserable and to be pitied. But the fact is that Christ the Messiah has been raised from the dead and he became the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep in death. Verse 12, But now if Christ the Messiah is preached and raised from the dead, how is it that some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? And 13, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. So here is the distortion. And Paul is saying to them, you can't have it both ways. It's real simple. If you're going to deny the physical resurrection of man, you have to deny the physical resurrection of Christ. Because Christ was a man. First Timothy Chapter 2, verse 5 says, For there is only one God and only one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Hebrews 2, 17 says, So it is evident that it was essential that he be made like his brethren in every respect, in order that he might become a merciful, sympathetic, and faithful high priest, in the things related to God, to make atonement and propitiation for the, uh, for the people's sins. He was a man. Our God was not some distant deity that we worship. 
He relates to us, not only because he came to the earth and lived as we lived, and we've all heard that preach, and that's good. But he relates to us because he is literally joined with us both in our spirit and in our humanity. He relates to us because he literally is a part of everything that you feel. He is a part of every rejection. He's a part of every pain. He's a part of every failure. He's a part of every blessing and every prosperous thing. He's a part of all things. He does not want us to think of him as being something different than us in that way. There is no separation, neither life nor death, and you go down the list. Nothing separates us from his love. And that love is not based on what he wishes we were. It's based on what he created us to be. And there's a big difference. So here's what I understand about my God. I don't have to explain to him how I feel, though it makes me feel better to do so. He's in union with me. He knows the condition of my soul better than I do. And his humanity can relate to the pain. His humanity can relate to the rejection. His humanity can relate to everything that I'm experiencing. And you know what that means? I don't go through anything alone. I don't go through anything by myself. Alone in my feelings, alone in my thoughts, alone in my doubts, alone in my fears, alone in any respect. I don't, and I can't, because I am joined to him. Always, not sometimes, but always for me, there is the wisdom of God. Always for me, there is the compassion of God. Always for me, there is the peace of God. Always for me, there is an answer within his deity through his humanity to who he created me to be. To me, that's so much better. I like the idea that Jesus went through some of the same things I've gone through. I like that idea. I like it better to know he's right there going through it with me. Don't you? He was a man. And he is a man. He is a man. He shares in our humanity, and he knows the sum of our being. He knows the conflicts of the soul. He knows the hurt in relationship. He knows it all, and he's there with us. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is in vain. It amounts to nothing. And your faith is devoid of all truth, and it is fruitless, without effect, empty, imaginary, and unfounded. We have no Savior. If Christ be not resurrected, we have no hope to share. We're preaching in vain, and, and all of you have believed in vain. Everything that has been said about who Christ is and what he is to you and what he's done for you was all foolishness. The heroes of the faith, their sacrifice was foolish if Christ be not resurrected. Preaching is in vain because without the resurrection, there is no ministry of truth that comes from the Spirit of God to you. Do you recognize that? Preaching is not just me sitting up here spouting out facts about who Christ is. It's more than that. It is literally me being yielded to the presence and the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God working through those words in your heart and in your mind. It's the ministry of the Spirit. It's not the words of man. 
Preaching is the ministry of the Spirit of God to you. I get to participate in it by being up here flapping my lips, but I want to tell you something. The ministry is not in what I say. And I know a lot of preachers work really hard to create ministry, but we do not create ministry. The ministry of the Spirit of God is literally His province, and we participate by yielding to it. So if Christ be not raised, there is no ministry of the Spirit out there. You're just basically listening to a lecture. And uh, if I were you, I'd be uh, doing something else. Without the Spirit of God, there's no reason for us to be here. Because we worship how? In spirit and in truth. Without the resurrection, there's no worship going on amongst men. Wow. That's pretty key, huh? And verse 15, we are even discovered to be misrepresenting God. For we testified of him that he was raised, that he raised Christ, whom did not, whom he did not raise, in case it is true that the dead are not raised. All that I have said concerning the ministry of his life and death has been a lie, and God leaves the dead for judgment. What this would mean to Paul is that all that he declared, everything that he based his life on, the determined purpose of his life, was a lie. But we can read Philippians 3, 10, 11. We see the passion of this man's heart. But what's more is we see the work of the Spirit of God. And we see the key, the key truth of the resurrection at the center of it. Where he writes in Philippians 3, 10, and 11. For my determined purpose is that I may know him. That I may progressively become more deeply, intimately acquainted with him perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may, in the same way, come to know the power, you might underline this, the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers. And the idea in the Greek is that is ongoing. That power is not, bam, you're saved and the, and the power's out. No, that is an ongoing flow of power that is being exerted. That I may so share his sufferings. You think he's talking about the crucifixion? So share his sufferings as to be continually ongoing. Transformed in the spirit into his likeness, even to his death, in the hope that, if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in the body. You know, if there's no resurrection, we can never know him. There would be no power outflowing. And I want to tell you about that outflowing power. That outflowing power is literally the work of God flowing through you. That goes before you in your circumstances. That goes before you in your difficulties. That literally sets the atmosphere for what you are about to walk into. That power of God is God's influence and effect in everything that concerns you. The sufferings that he speaks of is made reference that Christ suffered and he endured the, the suffering on the cross. But this is also making reference to the suffering that you will endure because Christ is your life. 
And in sharing in those sufferings with him, I am conformed in his image. Because I no longer suffer like Todd suffers. I no longer feel pain like Todd felt pain. When Todd was put upon, he was bitter. When Todd was put out of his way, he was selfish and resentful. Todd became angry. But the sufferings of Christ do nothing but provoke the ministry of his spirit. They bring about healing. The woundedness of Christ is healing. By his stripes we were what? Inflict a wound upon a Christian, and the outworking of the Spirit of God is healing them, not you. It's bringing forth ministry. You are already healed. That's resurrection power. That's resurrection life flowing through you. Touching. Ministering. And it's not to be quantified by you. It's not to be, to be judged by you. But listen. What Paul is describing is not a life that is, that is easy and plain where he sees the work of God all around him in, in such a miraculous way that it provokes him and moves him forward in truth. What he is describing is a walk of faith that sees everything that comes into his life as being literally the work of God. And everything he has to meet it with is the resurrection power of Christ within him. And as that resurrection power met shipwreck, met beatings, met rods, met all kinds of difficulties, out of him flowed that power, that healing. And he says, oh, (laughs) that I may know him. That I may know the power, the outflowing power of his resurrection. You know what he's doing? He's inviting more pain. That's what he's doing. I'm not talking about asceticism. I'm not talking about extreme difficulties. I'm talking about life with a capital L that lifts me out from among the dead. You know what? If there's no resurrection, we are never lifted out from the dead. If there's no power outflowing, then we can't turn death to life, despair to hope, and fear to peace. For if the dead are not raised, verse 16, then Christ has not been raised. Can't have it both ways, guys. If there is no life beyond the body, there is no life beyond the body for Christ. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is mere delusion, futile, fruitless, And you are still in your sins, under the control and penalty of sin. We are still in captivity. We are helpless to deliver ourselves. We are doomed to be ruled by the will of man, by the flesh. We are under sin's dominion. We are wearing the chains of captivity. And we're wearing grave clothes. We're living a living death. I could never, ever, ever, ever believe that there is no resurrection. I cannot believe it. Because I have been delivered. Because my life has been resurrected. Because I have been healed. 
because I have seen and known that power flowing through me. Don't ever suggest to me there's no resurrection. I have known the resurrection even before this corrupted body is raised from the earth. I have known the power of God to take that which is dead and bring it to life no matter where I'm at. And so have you. Every one of you have felt the weight of chains falling off of you as you've looked towards heaven. And God has literally, through the life of His Son in you, brought deliverance. Every one of you, at one point or another, and particularly at the point of salvation, took that old man in which you were enslaved and put him in the grave and brought out a new you, completely free, unhindered, uninhibited, no longer captive, and not even the smell of death. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.